0: Hi everybody, I'm Thea Newcomb, the founder of SoYou'veBeenDumped.com, and I am here with my co-host and lovely woman all around, uh, Christine Weber. This is the On a Break podcast. And Christine, how are you doing this week? Yeah, I'm doing fine, thank you. I've
1: been, uh, so it's hard to know exactly what one does at the moment, isn't
0: it? You know, you just drift from one day to another,
1: but you try and pack as much in as you can. So uh, I think only time will tell when we look back on this what we actually achieved.
0: So why don't you tell people, maybe that don't know who you are, a little bit about your background. Okay, well, um, I was a
1: television presenter for a long time and um, then I became an agony aunt. And then I trained in psychotherapy and coaching. And um, I've done a lot of television programs. I've written 15, 16 books now. Um, I mostly write actually now about midlife issues and with midlife characters. I should explain. You and I go back a long way, and we actually—it's it's such a long way that we—it's lost in the mist of time. Actually, how we met, we think we probably met over a coffee with a local Mike, but that may be apocryphal. Anyway, we were both very interested in broken-hearted people, having both been broken-hearted ourselves at different times, and—and and you. Formed, so you've been dumped, and I used to write for that sometimes. And um, I wrote a book called How to End a Broken Heart, which still sells because, alas, being broken hearted never goes out of fashion, does it? So... No. Then my thing now is positive aging, and this is partly because I wrote a book in 2009 called Too Young to Get Old. I got very interested in how we could age differently. Than our parents had, and. But it's partly, I think, also been further driven this year by seeing that those people that unfortunately succumb to the virus, mostly it's the people who are not fit and well who have a poorer outcome. And I think if anything is going to change our habits and make us more aware of how we need to keep fit, it's probably that. So I've been doing a lot of that. I write a newspaper column on that. I make video podcasts on that. Um, and I'm actually, uh, this week I've just re-established my coaching practice. Um, when my husband died, uh, I decided I probably wouldn't do any more therapy or coaching. And um, but I've been helping a lot of people informally through this period. And it kind of gave me the taste for it again. And then I thought I might just dip my toe back into that water. and But specialize in two areas only. So I won't be doing generals for therapy, so I'm going to be doing relationship issues because that's been my long career in therapy and coaching. And then I'm going to do specifically coaching in the positive aging area so that when people, you know, they're stuck sometimes. They think, well, I'm doing all the right things, but I never lose weight or do all the right things, but I feel tired all the time. And sometimes, just even for one session of 45 minutes or something, they could actually uncover some new strategies that might help them. So that's the plan, and I'm going to keep it low cost so that it's tailored to what people can afford. And I think it's really important. I mean, I do, you know, just to be serious for a minute, I really do have quite a mission um, to, to do this because I feel it's, it's quite clear to me that we cannot expect to live how we want and then have the NHS fix us. You know, if we're living in this UK, in, in the UK, we're going to have to meet them more halfway. There's not ever going to be enough money to keep us all fit. We're going to do a lot of it for ourselves. So that's what's at the back of my mind.
0: Yeah, that sounds like a lot and a good mission and. You know, coming back to how are you going to help men, say the broken hearted aspect, because you kind of said there's two, there's sort of the positive aging on the one side and the maybe helping people to turn their pain into gain, as I like to call it. So how are you going to go about helping people?
1: Well, I think the thing with the broken heart, um, it, it's... There's always an element of time that you you can't rush. Really, it's like as I've discovered with a bereavement, there is no point at which you go, "Oh, I'm over that." I don't think that happens with the broken heart. It's often very complex, but it is, in my view, the most personal rejection that anybody can ever have, um, and it's a cruel, awful pain, isn't it? And and My heart goes out to anybody who's watching today who who is going through that. And you can't take that pain away, but you can sort of begin to suggest some strategies that might help. Often it helps to stop dwelling on how wonderful this person was and start looking at, oh, hello, that used to annoy me and that wasn't too great, was it? And people put me down in public or whatever it might be. So I think that looking at things realistically, looking at your own, self-esteem i think because so often when people can't get over a breakup it's because they feel and they probably wouldn't phrase it like this but this reinforces for me that i'm not a very worthwhile person and that's at the back of that you know so often helping people over a broken heart it's a two-pronged process you really you, know, you want to pragmatically and get out there and do stuff but but you may have to address did you feel all the time that you were a better person because you were in a couple did you feel all the time that oh gosh you were really lucky to be with this person did you feel you had to be perfect all the time there are a lot of things that play into it aren't there Bia? I mean you, you've worked in this area a long time and you know so um, and everybody's different so that's another reason for re-establishing a one-to-one contact with people because sometimes of course your friends are a great deal of help to you that's as it should be and you'll probably be lucky enough to have a friend who um, you can ring at two o'clock in the morning if you're having a dark long time but but they will They will be quite subjective about it. You know, I I never liked him anyway, or whatever it may be. And uh, somebody who's worked in that area for a long time can stand outside of that and and see it in a slightly different way, I think. And I think a lot of people, a lot of people would like to have index code, you know, therapy about it, but that's very expensive and at the moment, I don't even know whether people are seeing people in tiny rooms, (laughs) I have no idea, but um, with the wonderful advances we have in Zoom and everything else, there's no reason why one shouldn't have a a really low-cost session one-to-one with somebody. Just get some things off your chest and maybe get another eye and ear on it, which is
0: helpful. Yeah, I think it would be. And do you know, just while you were talking, it was kind of just like, I sometimes just get creative ideas as people are talking and it's not necessarily just my idea, but I've heard of a woman in California who set up something called Heartbreak Anonymous in Los Angeles. And she used to be like a producer on the TV show, The Bachelor. And the idea was that people could come down if they were heartbroken and they would all meet in a room and just share their Kind of pain about it, which I'll I'll bring up something else in a second that I watched last night. But I thought, when you were talking, I thought maybe there's a way that maybe combined we could do once a month, do kind of like a not a group therapy, but like a group. No, no, but people could drop in. Totally. Yeah, I I would be very much up for that because we're all
1: an expert on our own pain, and and often what we learn as we go through this extraordinarily agonizing process. Um. It's helpful to share with other people. We learn more about ourselves that way, but very often we really benefit other people who might be at a different stage. So yeah, I'm totally
0: up for that. All right, well, let's put a pin in that idea. So the next thing was last night, so I've been talking a lot about death with people, mostly because I've been thinking about making the film about my father who of course passed a year and a half plus more ago. But last night I watched a film about a widow which you might be able to relate to, was a TED talk actually rather. And somebody had had mentioned to me in a conversation yesterday and this woman had kind of set up like a widow's club or something where again, they could talk about their experience And, and her kind of aspect was that we don't move on from grief. We we learn to live with it or we we we, ad, we adapt to it in different ways, but it's not a case of moving on because moving on maybe implies that we've forgotten about the person yeah. or something. So it was an interesting it was an interesting concept. I've been thinking a lot about about that. It's, it's you know, moving on from breakups, maybe moving on from heartbreak, moving on from being a a, a widow, whatever.
1: I think this is a very interesting area, and I think it's the thinking is changing, and I think possibly for the better. Uh, I would agree with you. You could even take this into the, you know, this thing of move on, move on when you've had a bad breakup, and maybe some ways of accommodating it uh, would be a better approach. Like, it wasn't all rubbish. It wasn't all bad. and and to perhaps accept what you have within that to be grateful for what you've learned how you've grown as a person through that experience dwelling on that rather than this, bosh that was rubbish on with the next thing i think is more realistic and i think it, it takes account of the fact that that person will be part of your life's tapestry for ever after now, whether you like it or not. Similarly, being a widow, yes, I agree. I mean, talking to other widows has definitely helped me. I mean, for a while, I couldn't even use the word widow. It just seemed too bleak. But one of the things that really helped me, a bit like your TED talk, was I watched a YouTube thing about grief. And this woman on it said, you don't get over anybody and i was so relieved to hear her say that because to me it seemed that when people say oh you you'll get over it I, I thought that was an insult i felt it was almost like they wanted me to get over having been married to this truly wonderful man and having had such a, a marvelous marriage why would i want to get over it that that would be like denying it in some way and it felt so wrong and she said, you don't get over it. What you do is you begin to construct your life around the emptiness and the hole that this
0: person having left
1: you has left you with. That felt so much better, you know? And I mean, I thought, yes, I can construct something around it, but it's still still central to my sort of guts and my being. And that felt a lot more beneficial to
0: me. We all kind of I guess cope with grief or heartbreak or what have you in some many different ways but also some really universal ways and I think we've probably both seen that in our careers over the last 20 years Mm -hmm. or so. So I'm going to actually circle back to the um, How to Mend a Broken Heart which you released what 2006 or seven? I think it came out 2006 originally and then I rewrote
1: it about 10 years later
0: so uh, yeah. Can, Can you tell me what inspired you to actually write the book Like, why did you decide, hey, I'm going to write a book about how to get over a broken heart? Like, what was the impetus? Um, I've I've
1: written two other books for the same publisher. One was called Get the Happiness Habit, and one was called Get the Self-Esteem Habit. And so much of what came into both of those was about relationships and how we are defined by them and how we're elated by them, but how we're equally devastated by them and I just thought I'm, instead of writing a rather complex book about happiness and, and self-esteem they're big issues aren't they I thought I'm, I'm just going to write one about being broken hearted and I'm going to put all the stuff in it that would have helped me years previously by then um, but I once had a, a, a very torturous relationship that was the closest to insanity I think I ever had and it really drifted on for about three years. I think I was mentally ill through that period really. And there was so much that I'd learned since, because by now I'd trained as a therapist and I'd had a, you know, I was a on a very happy marriage and everything else, and I just thought, I'm going to write the book that would really have helped me then. <laughs> all the stuff I wish I'd known. So I, I, think that would, I think that was the impetus, actually. That's interesting,
0: yeah. I, you know, I definitely am somebody that believes that nothing ever happens to us, it happens for us. Like there's a gift in everything. And it's funny because a lot of what I'm reading and talking about and thinking about is luck, whether that's lucky in love or unlucky in love or just making, creating opportunities for ourselves. And I'm definitely into so much of it is our self-worth and knowing what our money stories are, our relationship stories are. And what are the bottom line, which you mentioned already before is our worthiness, Yeah, what we put up with in relationships, what we attract, sometimes we attract the same relationship over and over and over again. Like, it is really, a, it is worth spending some time and really doing the self-work to figure out like, what am I doing that's working? What am I doing that's not working? Why do I keep attracting the same situation? Where does that come come to? Like it could be something from childhood, from your parents, from something that happened at school or a previous ex or, or whatever. So I'm, I'm definitely somebody that likes to look at, you know, look deeply into what we're attracting into our lives whether that's luck and money or success in business or friendships or relationships or whatever
1: yes i i totally agree and i I mean i don't think it's a selfish thing to want to focus on yourself when you're coming out of one of life's major bad experiences like a breakup or, or like the death of a partner because especially with the relationships, if you really examine it and if you allow yourself to kind of sit with the pain as opposed to, well, oh, I'm going to go out and get hammered tonight. Sort of thing, um, you do begin to see patterns. There's no doubt about it. And I am not the sort of therapist or coach that will go back and live every moment of somebody's devastatingly awful childhood. Um, but you, you, you can't actually move on without acknowledging what that did to that person and if if for example i mean i've had a lot of clients who had parents who were very busy perhaps in the public eye perhaps doing a tremendous amount of good actually but they just weren't good at being parents and they didn't do that stuff that a parent should do because that's their job which is to provide their progeny with appropriate self-worth and validation and affirmation when it matters, when they're, they're small, so that they, they don't have to feel, oh, I'm marvelous, but they do have to feel, do you know, I'm okay. That's all they need to feel. But if your parent doesn't give you that, that's as bad as the withholding food and drink, in my view. And there are an awful lot of people that have really struggled with, with relationships because for one reason or another, they were not parented very well. So you can't turn the clock back and make that right for people, but you can help people to think about it in a different way. I think it's really wasted to do a bit of self-examination and looking at your patterns and everything. It, it's, it's painful, but it's not usually a waste of time.
0: No, I, I mean, I definitely think that I'm somebody that has had certainly more in the past, some self esteem issues where I've uh, you know, I question my worthiness. And it wasn't that I had parents that didn't love and appreciate me i certainly had a father that definitely did maybe the mother was a little bit less so but uh, i'm sure she loved me in her own way but i would say right through my 20s and 30s like i have journals that i look back at and i read and i go oh my gosh bless her heart she was a sad girl like i'm so different but i'm also different because of all these experiences the good and the more challenging ones so i wouldn't necessarily change it but it is just being aware of like you know I am worthy, we are all worthy. And you know, you're you're kind of making light of the marvellous thing, but wouldn't it be great if we all felt like we were marvellous? Like, yeah. wouldn't it be great? Like, why would that be a bad thing? You know, we are all great. Well, you don't want to be a pain, do you? I mean, you know, some people are absolutely intolerable
1: when they're fantastic. But I mean, usually when I'm working with people with poor self-esteem, I get them to write a list of 50, five zero, things they like about themselves. And immediately you can see the panic in their eyes. If they have poor self-esteem, panic, they think, I can't even think of five. You know, they they are, and then they think that'd be boasting or that wouldn't be very nice and all of that. And actually it's a very good exercise because if you do it, uh, you begin to sense that you are so much more than you estimate yourself. I mean, esteem comes from the word estimare. It means to esteem, to to estimate. How do you estimate yourself? The important thing is that you can look yourself in the eye and go, you know, I'm okay. We were all built by nature to be unique. We have our own DNA, we have our own fingerprints. There's nobody quite like us. You know, if nature bothered to make us this entirely individual person, why should we shrug that away and say, well, I'm not important because we are important and we're as important as anybody else. And that's tough for people that don't really believe that to gradually learn to accept. But it's, it's pretty crucial because if you don't accept that, life is always going to be harder for you. In relationships, in jobs, you might be the sort of person that never seeks promotion because you don't want to have to criticise other people. It plays out in so many facets of your
0: life. I definitely agree with that. So do you have a couple of takeaway tips? And is there any, like, how are you taking these bookings? Like how, if somebody is listening now or, or watching, how would you like them to get in touch for one thing? And, and, and have you got a couple of takeaways of the types of things that you would recommend to somebody that has just found themselves single. And by the way, just before I came on the call with you, dating.com, this is yesterday reveals that 2020 has been the year of breakups. So oh, I haven't, this. I haven't read the full article yet, but I'll be hanging up and doing that. But so obviously we're going to be busy on the website and with your coaching and stuff. But what um, you're looking to do one-to-one stuff that could be globally. And have you worked out the pricing of how much is that that's going to cost? Have you got yeah, a- I'm going
1: to. Well, um, first of all, people can look. There's a new button on my website. My website is just ChristineWeather.com. There's a new button on the website called coaching and there's a little piece on there about what I'm going to try and do and then suggesting people get in touch with me. My belief is that I should make this as available to as many people as possible and that therefore a discussion has to be made about what is viable for them to pay. But we're not talking Harley Street prices here, I've no overheads. We're doing it in this virtual way, and so ought to be affordable for people. The takeaway message, I think, bearing in mind 2020 year of the breakup, is that a lot of people are breaking up because they've learned something about themselves during this period. It's not all bad, and it may be that the scales have fallen from their eyes, and they've just thought, I don't really like this person, or this person is not good for you know, it's it's not all bad although it feels very painful I think that you and I are, are both perfect examples of people that have been broken hearted but we've moved on and we've used it and I think that we live so long now, well touching wood as one says that, but but the chances are we're going to be brokenhearted a few times in our life but each time we learn a bit more resilience and we are remarkably, I mean I think this COVID-19 is showing this, we are as a species remarkably adaptable spirited and resilient and i think people should just remember that and then if they really want to take home message write down 50 things you like about yourself it might take you a while
0: that's a perfect thing to end on and i'm away to do my list right now so christine thanks i'll see you next time thank you very much bye bye